On this episode of AV Week, we talk about scope creep, whether or not it's something to do with or use it as an opportunity, how to get more women involved in technology and AV, plus we go through the steps you need to do when you're designing a rehab of a system. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Atlas IED. This is AV Week. Episode 267, recorded Friday, October 7th, 2016. Some of the parts. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us this week, you know him, you love him. I am certain you have taken some sort of audio class with him. His name is Pat Brown. How are you, sir? Great. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, also with us from High Vision, his name is Cody Clevin. How are you, sir? Great. Thanks for thanks for having me. I think this is the, the part of the show where I say a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, is that you, right? Sir. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there, are, there are a couple other uh, more famous uh, call-in shows that have that, but yes, I, I appreciate okay. that. All right. <laughs> I, I used to live work in, in talk radio, so yes, I, that, that was anyhow. Um, talk, we're going to talk about a couple different things this week, uh, partnerships as well as best practices. And uh, if we get to it, we go uh, pick uh, Cody and, and Pat's brain about how to rehab a system. But first, this one caught my brain mainly because it came out of left. It came out of a from an organization or, a, or a publication that I normally don't. Um, I, I don't read uh, or, or pick. Or, hang on. There we go. Uh, I love auto starting videos. Um, comes to us from International Business Times, and this is from uh, International Business Times. The story is this. Melinda Gates uh, is launching an initiative to get more women in tech. Quote, unquote, Melinda Gates is launching a new initiative that will be dedicated to getting more women in tech-related fields and keeping them in STEM fields. For Gates, co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the world's largest private philanthrop- uh, philanthropy, this endeavor is personal. Now... She goes on to talk about how uh, when she started in the tech industry, uh, there weren't very many women uh, engineers or, or programmers. Cody, I want to start with you on this. As it relates to AV and it relates to the AV industry, I guess, how do we do this? How do we encourage more women to get into this industry? Is it things like the the win initiative from Infocom, the the women in, in Infocom uh, Council, that more than just women are, are involved in it? Uh, is it getting in on the ground level when it comes to high schools, right? Encouraging women and, and young ladies in in high school to get involved in the STEM. And, and by the way, you know we're in the middle of AV month, so that's not a bad idea if you're an integrator or a manufacturer. Go to your local high school, say, hey, there's this great this great industry out there. It's, it's a part of the STEM industry. Here's some really great things you can do. But from, from your guys' standpoint, uh, Cody, we'll start with you. How do we get women involved in, in the AV industry? 
Well, I, th I think the I think the initiatives that you reference are all really good, right? And I, I think that there's a lot of things that need to be done, and it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a long process, right? Um, I'm really surprised, and I'm really surprised there aren't more women in our industry. To be honest with you, um, uh, it's it's it amazes me. Um, I think uh, you know Melinda Gates. You know she she commented or she commended Google, right, for offering. Um, you know, better family benefits, right? More leave time for for mothers and family in general. I think I think that's that's a good idea in general, right? We should be more family friendly, and I think gender aside, right? I think that there's things that we in the industry need to do to constantly be attracting uh, the sort of talent that we want to have on staff. In fact, I know one of your shows recently, Josh Rego commented on how it's hard for them to to attract the right kind of talent and the right sort of expertise when they have. You know the Facebooks and the Googles and the Netflixes and all these people hiring really talented, uh, you know, young people, regardless of gender, right or race, um, in the Bay Area. You know, so I think I think benefits in the workplace are, are really important. Um, and I know there are some initiatives, you know, beyond just AV, right, that are trying to improve family benefits. Um, so maybe that's part of the lesson too, right? Better benefits, more ping pong tables. I know uh, I know TCOM TCOM is the sort of place where you go there and they've got the uh, the kombucha. In the, in the refrigerator, right? Like, I think all of that stuff, right, to create sort of the, the right workplace environment um, that's, that's uh, gender-friendly and, and uh, more diverse is good. And, and I think diversity is great too, right? Diversity brings in new ideas and it keeps us innovative and it, it keeps the, the products and services um, that we're bringing to market, right, relevant to, to everyone. Uh, and, and, and TCOM actually is, is where our, our editor, Josh Schreko, works. Uh, it's a pretty good consulting firm out of the, uh, the Oakland, uh, San Francisco area. Uh, Pat, from your, your standpoint as an instructor in the industry and, and somebody who's, who's taught you know, more than a handful of classes, how, how do we get women involved and, and, and interested in this industry? Well, that's a tough one. I, you know, my background serves more to validate the problem maybe than to provide a solution. Um, you know, we do a lot of uh, seminars, both specialized and, and general. And, you know, out of a class of 50 people, we might, I mean, if there were three women there, that would be unusual. It's usually one or two or maybe none. Um, more and more as we see women coming in, that's usually at the grassroots level. I think we probably need to to cultivate an interest in the industry. Uh, you know, I think the workplace, of course, is important and that all goes without saying, but how do you get women interested in the technical side of AV? AV, I think it's tough. We're, we're seeing people come in from houses of worship. Uh, some of the larger ones have uh, women on staff there, uh, young ladies that need to be trained. But I think once a person is into their career, it's very difficult to get them to cross over into AV, it's sort of a, I hate to say it, but it's sort of a, a, a geek old boys club, you know, in, in a sense. And we have to do something to break that stigma and that stereotype of, of our industry. Why do you Pat, think- Pat, I'm completely oh, offended. Exactly. Completely offended by that. I'm sorry about that. I knew that was happening. Uh, <laughs> is it the old or the boys part? Um, <laughs> Pat, why, why do you think it is so difficult to get folks to jump? from one industry to the other. And, and the reason I'm asking is because there are, there are so many people that, that I've talked to in the industry. If you ask them their story, right, their AV story, a good majority, and I'm going to lean towards the 75, 80% will say, I just found myself in this industry. 
right? I was a roadie. I was, I, I did lights at my church. I was in theater. I was you know, something else. I, I was in broadcasting, me personally. So how, why do you think it's it's so difficult to get folks to jump over? You know, I don't know. I, you know, most of the stories we hear when we talk to people in the classes, you know, it's almost universal that you end up in audio. You don't really start out to get here. Uh, you know, you get involved because you know what a good sound system sounds like. You can mix. Maybe you're, you're a musician. Probably half of our attendees have a musician background. Um, I think part of it, too, is that, you know, in, in this day and age, there's so much information and knowledge and expertise out there that once you start down a path and learn and gain certain skills, I think it's harder than it used to be to jump into something else because you're starting over in something that there's already people that are working in and have experience. And you know, I think 20 years ago, it was easier to change fields than what it is today, given the level of expertise required, especially in the technical field. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, we're going to talk next uh, from our, our friends over at AV Network. Uh, this comes to us, uh, a young man by the name of Ron Lewis wrote, best practices for avoiding or dealing with scope creep. And I'm going to read you one of his quotes. The first key to avoiding the chaos of scope creep is simple. Demand a complete scope of work, which is a great idea. And if you get it all the time, please call me and let me know because you win a prize. Because um, it doesn't happen, right? A, a complete scope of work simply does not happen a good portion of the time. Um, yes, you're going to have clients who know what they want, and, and you can walk them through and, and develop a, a complete scope of work. But, Pat, we're going to start with you on this one. From your standpoint and, and from your experience, how would you advise an, an integrator who, or even, even a consultant who's walking through a project to avoid or, or deal with the ever-present uh, scope creep of a project? You know, just this past year, I was on the opposite side of this argument. We were developing a new website, and, you know, the company we contracted to do that was establishing the scope of work. And one of the problems we had was that we didn't really even fully understand the work that was going to be done, let alone how to limit it in scope. And so what happened was that the wording was so vague that it was almost impossible to enforce and you know what we kept hearing over and over again as the project progressed is well that's out of scope that's out of scope but in our minds from the from day one those things were clearly in scope at least as far as our understanding of the project so i think it begins with communication i think you have to both sides have to understand enough about the process to do a meaningful scope of work and that's not necessarily easy because it requires education on both both sides of the uh, discussion Good, good point. So, so who then in, in I guess from the integrator side, who's responsible for that education of of you, the end client? Is it the salesperson? Is it the sales engineer? Who who would you expect to do that? Yeah, I would. It, you know, at the grassroots level, the, whoever I'm interacting with on the project, I would expect it to be them, uh, because I want that one person to be my go-to. But if it goes beyond their scope, I want them to be able to go up the ladder and bring the next person in whether that be an engineer or a different salesperson or whatever. So I would prefer primarily to deal with one individual, but uh, only more if necessary. Okay. Cody, from your standpoint, uh, manufacturing, as, as you're helping your, your integrator clients and, and you, your folks, how do you avoid or, or deal with, I guess? I, I, I say avoid. I shouldn't be saying avoid because there's a lot of times you can't avoid scope creep. 
but how do you deal with it? How do you manage it? Yeah. So for, for starters, as a uh, former quota, quota carrying guy, like I think, I think scope creep has a bad connotation. Like I think that's a, that's an opportunity for upsell. Um, okay. I, I really think it's, you know, it's the difference between great salespeople, great sales engineers and, and everyone else. The, the difference is great salespeople, great sales engineers help establish a vision with their customer, right? They, they educate the customer on, on what's capable, what technology is out there, what they've seen other clients do, and what they should be doing is helping guide the customer and, and exposing the customer to, to everything that's possible, and then developing a scope of work, a bill of materials that meets that vision that's agreed upon between between the sales and design people and the customer, right? Like I think, I think sometimes. Uh, Sometimes it's easy, especially when we're working on a lot of projects simultaneously, it's easy to listen to the customer and do a quick job of, of jotting down the requirements and saying, hey, is this good enough? You know, signing off on it. And then you start going and you really never went down the rabbit holes of, of what's possible, what the customer may, may want to do, what they may want to do six months from now or nine months from now once the, the budget's been approved and the design's been approved and and the company maybe grew a little bit and whatever else, right? So, so I think we need to be a lot more more consultative on on what's available and helping establish vision with a customer. That's a, that's a good point. Is is helping them along the way and helping them kind of to Pat's point, educate them on what it is they need and what problem they're trying to solve. Yeah, the, the reality of it is that the customers don't know if they don't know, right? Like yeah. they're not they're not experts on on audiovisual stuff. They're not experts on unified communication or streaming or anything like that. And so it's our job to, to educate. That's why we all, you know, go to the big trade events and educate ourselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, from AV Interactive, our friends over at AV Magazine, Absin and Clear Channel are partnering uh, for the Helsinki Vanta International Airport. Uh, this is not necessarily about the the Absin and Clear Channel partnership, although good for, for both of them. Uh, Absin is an interesting company. They, they just recently, in the last two or three years, I want to say, uh, entered the U.S. market. Spanish LED company. Um, Cody, from, from the manufacturer standpoint, I find partnerships like this interesting. Um, in about three weeks, Aviation, uh, we will be at the digital, um, the um, um, New York Digital Signage Week, um, week of the 24th, I think. Then we'll be doing a couple of things. Uh, we'll be talking with Clear Channel actually at, at, in some, stu- in some um, venues. How do you, as a manufacturer, I guess, get these partnerships. How do you work this out? Because you have two different companies, right, that do two separate things. They need something that you do, and, you know, you need something that they do. So how do these partnerships work out? Yeah, well, I, I think they're really important, right? And it's it's easy on the manufacturing side to lose sight that, uh, that the, the what's the saying like the whole is greater than the sum of the parts or whatever mm-hmm. right this week we get so focused on on what we do specifically right the problem that our technology solves or whatever else that uh, that sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the value of partnerships and and this is a great example and, and we have experience with this at high vision uh, we obviously ha- we have a digital signage platform right and it's and that that is that is all that we do right is provide that technology but I, I like to remind clients that the technology is, is only as good as the content that you're putting into it, right? You can have the best digital signage infrastructure out there, but if you're putting out, you know, you know, stale content or 
outdated stuff, right? It's it's going to be garbage, and um, and so I think as a manufacturer, it's 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 our responsibility. It's um, it's a great idea, right? To constantly be looking for how we can who we can partner up with, how we can partner um, up with our other companies. I'm actually going to be out at the um, at the Digital Signage Week event as well for that exact purpose. Right, we need to we need constantly be looking for those opportunities because that's what customers need. It's it's rare where they can go to a single manufacturer to get everything they need, whether it's digital signage or whatever else. Um, oftentimes, the best solutions are incorporating other manufacturers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pat, you you guys have a number of partnerships. Um, you were last week. You were with our good friend uh, Bradford Ben. Um, he works for Harmon. That's one of your partnerships. How do partnerships like that for, for you guys work? I mean, how, how does that conversation start and, and, and that relationship kind of flourish? Well, I think it begins by a realization on both sides that, you know, we have needs that are outside our own sphere of expertise. You know, in our case, you know, we teach, you know, how to use the audio gear, but we don't make gear. So we have to use, you know, uh, stuff manufactured by, you know, by manufacturers. So we either start a dialogue with them if they have something that, we might use to demonstrate a principle, uh, or they start a dialogue with us because they have customers that don't know how to effectively use their products. So it sort of works both ways, but I, I think it begins with just a, a mutual respect for and understanding of what each does and the fact that they're different. And uh, you know, we work with sponsors within the United States for our seminars, but we also uh, have a pretty strong working relationship outside the US with the South American markets and in China We'll be in China next week doing a class for a large distributor. And we encounter, you know, they've got significant manufacturing capabilities, but they also recognize that there are things they don't have that they need to, you know, pull in outside companies to offer. So there's a mutual benefit there in working with with uh, the Chinese companies in that regard. And so it's it's a it's a recognition from both sides that you know again kind of like what Cody said that each of you have something and 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 both of you together can create something even greater. You know that's exactly right because the manufacturers, you know, they don't manufacture, uh, you know, they don't they don't necessarily know that manufacturing requires education that their box is no better than the person that's deploying it, and uh, so that's sort of where we come in and uh, we like to say that we. We do the parts of it that they don't want to do, that we teach the fundamental things that would allow them that if they have a seminar to just get onto what their box does rather than teaching the basics of, of audio that apply to all of the product. I'm sorry, I'm writing down what you just said about the box being no better than the person deploying that. That's freaking awesome. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to steal it. I'm going to borrow it and attribute it to, to you, but oh my gosh, that's awesome. All right, last story here. Uh, Miami Heat's arena uh, improving its audio. This is from our, our friends over at Commercial Integrator. Um, Miami Heat, the the, the um, American Airlines arena where, where the Miami Heat play, apparently for the last 15 years or so, they've, they've kind of been doing add-ons to, to the venue itself. Um, and recently they, they went through a, a renovation and, and brought in Dante, right? Um, Pat, I want to start with you on this. It, and we're going to take it a little bit different than what they actually did at the, at the venue they they came in and they put ordinate all the way all the way through but if you're walking through a, a system you're walking through a venue whether it's a large venue like the American Airlines arena or it's a it's a small 200 seat house of worship how do you advise the integrator or, or the consultant when you're doing a rehab like what are what are some of the parts and pieces 
the the check boxes that you have to check off when you know you you've got to replace X, Y, and maybe even Z. Well, I think the most important thing is to is to do it in the right order because we tend to think of systems in terms of signal flow from input to output, but when you're doing sound in large facilities, you have to start with the loudspeakers. And the loudspeaker selection and placement has to be based on the room acoustics. And we have to understand that the decisions we make there cannot be corrected electronically later. So unless I get the right loudspeakers in the right place, it doesn't matter if it's Dante or analog or AES-3 or whatever that's being used to transport the signals. So uh, we do a lot of training on site surveys with regard to room acoustics and selecting the proper loudspeaker directivity uh, that's needed to achieve speech intelligibility. And once you know some things about the required loudspeaker, then you can go shopping for whatever brand it is you're going to deploy, whether it be JB, JBL or EAW or Danley or just whatever it is. Yeah. There's lots of choices once you know the required specifications of, of the loudspeaker. Uh, everything else comes after that. All right, very good. Cody, kind of same question for you only on the, on the video side as you're advising your folks to, if, if they're doing a site survey, like, like Pat said, and you know they want to do a rehab of their video system or their digital signage system, what sort of things are you, are you telling them to look for? Um, well, when I read this article, the first thing that, that came to mind is, you know, when a team is going to offload a bunch of uh, player salaries to somebody else, right? Like maybe that creates budget for, uh, yeah. like maybe those are good, maybe those are good opportunities for, for us guys in the, in the AV industry is when you um, get rid of LeBron and Dwayne Wade. Um, hey, you know what? I'm, no, in, I'm in St. Louis. We got rid of an entire team. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you know what what to look out for. You know, there's there's obviously a lot of technical things that that you can do with video when video is over IP. Um, one of the things I took away from this article in particular, right, is it it mentioned how the the venue itself could be uh, more nimble, right? Like you could, it, it was more flexible in terms of of what type of um, uh, what type of event was being hosted. Like it was is more configurable based on on having the, the Dante audio system. And we see a lot uh, with that in video as well, right? Once once you have video over IP, and it you know it doesn't mean it doesn't matter if it's a, it's a stadium, right? Or uh, um, we do a lot of healthcare facilities. Once you have video over IP, you know you can send it anywhere, right? And if you want to record content or deliver content in a conference room, in an auditorium, to a remote clinic, to a remote, uh, maybe a doctor's doing a, a presentation, right? Once, once you have an encoder in that room and it's, it's on the network, you know, you can deliver it anywhere, right? And so those are great opportunities for us to, to deploy video, um, you know, on the network and, and essentially have, have what they're able to do with a Dante system um, in Miami is, is have a, you know, essentially a, a, a really large, uh, you know, video network, right? A video distribution system where you can take video from anywhere to anywhere. And it creates a lot of, a lot of flexibility, maybe new revenue streams yeah. um, in the case of uh, Miami, right? Th those are, I like, like to sell value like that. New revenue streams, like the customer wants to hear that. So is it also a, a, a chance for the integrator and whether it's the, the AV integrator or it's, or it's an IT integrator that you're working with, to re-evaluate, or not re-evaluate, but evaluate the infrastructure, the network infrastructure, to make sure that it's going to handle what you're going to suggest. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's, it's a much larger conversation than just 
you know, what type of encoder you're going to use or where you're going to put encoders or whatever else. You're absolutely right. The infrastructure has to depend on it. And when the, uh, when the integrator or the consultant or whoever's working the project can ask those questions, it, it adds a lot of value, right, to what they bring to the table for the end customer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, that is going to do us. Uh, Mr. Cody, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, how do people find you or High Vision? Uh, www.highvision.com. Uh, you can find me personally on LinkedIn. Email address is cclevin at highvision.com, or you can Google me. Right. Or you can find me maybe running out on some trail somewhere, some national park or marathon or something. Good, good luck with that. I'm, I'm... All right, thanks. <laughs> He's going to be in, in New York with me on digital, New York Digital Signage Week. You'll probably find him, you know, jogging around Central Park that week. So I'll be there. All right. Uh, Pat Brown, thank you, sir, so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, what uh, if, if folks are interested in, in taking a SynodCon class, how do they do that? And, and I know you've got an, an, a special one coming up in November. We do, yeah. You can just go to our website, uh, www.prosoundtraining.com. And we have both online classes. We have in-person classes. And then we have this upcoming special emergency communication system workshop coming up in Alexandria, Virginia. That's four days uh, dealing specifically with what I just described a few minutes ago, and that's achieving an intelligible speech for life safety announcements in large venues. So that, that should be a lot of fun. I have a lot of good experts coming in on that. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you, sir. Uh, for me, uh, personally, um, don't follow me on Twitter, uh, but go by the website if you would, please, avianation.tv. Avianation.tv, a lot of really great people have done an awful lot of hard work. Uh, I was not one of them on, on the website, so check that out if you would, please. Uh, I mentioned we'll be in New York for New York Digital Signage Week. If you're going to be there, please uh, give me a shout or drop me a line, Tim, at avianation.tv. Let's, uh, let's connect on one of the, oh my gosh, dozens of of uh, events that are going on that week. I'll put a link in the website on, on where you can go to, to find out uh, that. Uh, also, uh, check out some of our other shows. We've got a, a weekly residential show. Strictly deals with, with residential AV. Uh, Matt Scott does that, as well as our education, uh, our programming show called State of Control, and our social media, AV Social, as well as a ton of others. All that, though, is at the website, avnation.tv. avnation.tv, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. This has been AV Week.